Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Happy Thanksgiving, Mo. Is it Canadian Thanksgiving? Today, the day that we're recording this episode, Mo, is Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh, I did not know that. Uh-huh. Mo, what do you give thanks for? Uh... Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing. Nothing. Now Nothing Mo. Really. Now Mo. What can I say? I'm a pessimist who hates everything. Well, admittedly, this <laughs> year has been a big garbage dump full of shit. Oh, no joke. But be be that as it may, Mo, there's so much to be thankful for. What about this delicious air that we get to breathe? It's so delicious. Mmm. Sweet air. Have you ever been to Florida? No. Yes, I have. I said no, but it's funny. I actually have been to Florida. I went to West Palm Beach, Florida, Mo, and um, they lemons just grew on trees. You could pluck them, pluck them well, right from the branch. Yeah, that's because that's a decent area of Florida. Where I'm at, it's all like meth heads and like stale fish water. Like it's, stale fish water, you can pluck it from the tree. It's fucking disgusting. Like the air here is gross. Why have you chosen to live in such a disgusting place? Uh, I, I don't I, mean Florida. I mean the United States of America. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, if I could answer that one. Ugh. Well, there's no getting out now, Mo. You're trapped. We're all trapped. Mm. We're all we're all prisoners of your country and its uh, and its uh, nationwide psychosis. Yeah. Yeah, but Mo, let's turn our thoughts to more pleasant things. The things that we are. Uh, liable to be thankful for, like the No Budget Nightmares podcast, the podcast that you and I both host. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mo, on this podcast, we watch ultra-low-budget and micro-budget cinema. Wait, is that what we do? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I quit. (laughs) Usually that's what we do. Um, (laughs) And every once in a while, people will uh, donate to our Patreon account. And because I have not revised all of the text on that in a couple of years, when I really should have a long time ago, people are allowed to choose some of the movies that we get to watch on here, Mo, which is ridiculous because it's an incredible amount of work and like a full episode devoted to... Anyway, it's ridiculous, but it's happening and it's continuing to happen. And because of that, Mo, we have had, you know, kind of ups and downs, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Because just before we started recording, I, uh, Mo uh, was reminded that we had watched a Patreon request that we both disliked but couldn't remember what it was. It ended up being, Mo, you might recall it now, Where the Dead Goes to Die, episode 109. And the mm-hmm. thing is, despite the fact that the director of that said that, hey, at least 
He made an impact on us. He must have shocked us to our very core. We apparently forgot that movie existed two minutes after <laughs> recording our episode. You're not wrong. I can't remember a goddamn thing about that movie. It was almost animated. I remember that. I re- yes, I remember there was some colors and stuff in it. I don't know. Mo, we are back with another. That was a low point, I would say. Another Patreon request. This one, Mo, is it going to be low? Is it going to be high? I guess, listener, you're going to have to just stay tuned to discover. But I will say this, Mo. This is a movie that I don't think we would have wandered onto otherwise. No, I, I I can agree with that. We definitely wouldn't have. And I, I mean, that's one of the fun things, right? Is when right. people can can recommend things to us that we maybe have never heard of, or it might be outside of our general uh, comfort zone regarding like world cinema, which is kind of what we're talking about today. But what is the movie we're going to talk about today? Tonight. Today. Tonight. This morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're talking about the German what? film. Operation Dance Sensation. Operation Dance Sensation from the year 2003, the year of our Lord, the year punk broke. Uh, and it, it is indeed, Mo, German. German. Yep. Mo, what is your favorite German phrase? Uh, What? I don't, I don't have a, I, I legitimately do not have a fra- favorite German phrase. What about that thing that your beloved U.S. president said? He said, ich bin ein Berliner. Oh, yeah, I'm a jelly donut. Remember that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like, I don't know. I, 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 I say Dankeschön way more than I probably should. Uh-huh. Um, but bitter. that's that. Yeah. Bitter. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a favorite German phrase. Eine Mo, I knocked music, you know? Oh, I, Mo, yeah. I fucked up on our last episode. You see? Because when I said Wait, who what? Our, you fucked up? <laughs> well, only once. <laughs> um, when I said Ever who was your entire the, life, the the person who chose this for us, I gave a name, and it was the person's uh, uh, pseudonym, uh, their nom de plume on Facebook, not their actual name. Apparently, this person is wanted for some sort of crime, so has decided not to give us their real name at all, outside of the fact that his first name, Mo, this German gentleman is Lars, which is, I mean, I guess that's true. He could be lying to us. H- how would I know? I mean, for all I know, your name isn't Mo Porn. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I know. Uh, so, yeah, so the uh, the drummer for Metallica, Lars Ulrich, has, uh, has chosen a movie for us to watch. Um, There's probably a lot of people yeah. named Lars out there, Mo. But I only know about one of them, so it's. I'm assuming that it was Lars Ulrich who who gave us this choice. Uh, and if you're listening, Lars, I got to tell you, it should have been you. Uh, you know, Cliff Cliff should have survived. But oh, that's boy. Yeah, I got dark there. Uh, <laughs> I kid, of course. He's a terrible drummer, and I would have I wouldn't have had these past thirty years of mocking him if he had died. Mo, yes, Mo, I'm yes. madly in anger with you. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lars has chosen this movie, Operation Dance Sensation, for the two of us 
to watch. And he did send along a little bit of information about it, including the fact that Lars was almost in this movie, but apparently had some uh, directional failure, ended up getting lost on the way to the set, which is understandable. He also helpfully has given me some pronunciation guides, Mo, because, you know, I have a reputation <laughs> on the No Budget Nightmares podcast for fucking up the pronunciation of all sorts of things. Yep. Uh, so this movie, Operation Dan Sensation, was, oh boy, directed by a gentleman named, directed and stars, uh, a gentleman named Tilo Gotha Uh and I think that's probably close and it was both uh written by him and uh, co-written by his brother. It looks like his name is Simon Mo, but it's not. Apparently it's pronounced Simon. Uh because German is a beautiful uh language. Uh and and honestly, what w- think about all the great things that the Germans have given us. Uh Klaus Kinski, um uh, mm. eugenics oh oh wait no i'm sorry i'm sorry that was americans that was the americans who did that one one of the things that i like about this operation dance sensation movie mo is that it's somewhat a uh, a satire of the united states of america which i mean honestly in this position that i'm in sitting here in 2018 it's kind of nice to see someone take a shot at your Garbage country. And honestly, 2003 was a good time to be to be aiming at the United States for its uh, uh, warlike uh, uh, presence on Earth. You might remember there's also a movie called Team America World Police. World Police. <laughs> World Police. <laughs> which has a, you know, kind of a similar point of view of America sort of being the um, – a, a country that's obsessed with – uh, being in combat at all times. And this is the kind of thing that this movie is about. It is an action, comedy, satire, gore movie. And it's also, Mo, one hour and 50 minutes long. It's too long. It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of upset people in this room right now. Uh, it's too long. I mean, it's it, it, whatever... We're going to say about this movie. I just want to get it right out there at the beginning. This movie should not be almost two hours long. Uh, and I, I I, appreciate that this apparently was uh, presented as some sort of art school graduation film for the director. And, and maybe there was some sort of length requirement there. Uh, but as it stands as a finished piece, there are moments or scenes, I should say, or sequences in this movie which feel uh, improvised and... Endless and and unnecessary, unnecessary. You know what I mean, Mo. There are certain parts of this movie where they ju- it's just two people yammering on back and forth, just like kind of we're doing right now. I have, and it just uh, seems no, like no, it just th- keeps going. This isn't yammering back and forth because there's no forth. There's just back, you know. But uh, <laughs> hey, now, no, you're right. In my in my notes in this in in my notes for this movie, I have on multiple situations saying this scene is useless. Yeah, you know? yeah, there's just and, a lot and, of unnecessary sequences. Right, exactly. So, like, but didn't they say that this is, like, some, like, ultra-rare director's cut version of this that, like, shouldn't exist or something like that? No, Mo, that's a different Patreon movie, which we're going to oh. be talking about in a couple of episodes from now. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but at least you remember <laughs> that, Mo, and I, I look, remember I something. <laughs> oh, my God, my the ginkgo biloba I've been taking has been working. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to what Mo is has sort of been referencing just a moment ago. No, Mo, this is the released version of Operation Dance Sensation. Oh, well, good. Two thousand three. Well, I was I, ab- honestly- I was about to give it I was about to give it some you know some slack you know if this is like a different version, but if this is the version that got put out, ugh. 
Oh, that's. I feel like you're being a little hard. Mo, no, I'm. Movie. I'm not being hard on the movie. Like honestly, like there's a lot about this movie that I really enjoyed, but there are entire scenes that are utterly useless and could have been cut easily. Yeah, you could. You give me this and a copy of Premiere Pro, and I could. Yeah. I could come up with a 90 minute movie that might move along a little bit faster. Exactly. Mo, how does this movie start? It starts with the credit for. The Neverhorse Company, and then we see an ambulance arriving at an American hospital, Mo, because this entire movie, it features Americans doing American things with American flags and American guns. Speaking They're all German. speaking German <laughs> the entire time. Just like Plaga Zombie, our last uh, last episode, we featured Plaga Zombie, Zona Mutante. This is another kind of movie where all of these German actors are playing Americans. Right. And this movie starts with two guys bandaged up uh, they're being pushed on gurneys, Mo, by some nurses, and one, uh, while it's happening, grabs a glass and smashes it on the other's hands, uh, other's head, I should say, and the nurse uh, yells at the two of them. Who are these people, Mo? We don't know at this point. We don't know yet. We will know a little bit later. I mean, uh, they, Dr- do, they, they do mention, you know, Mr. Eden as one of yes. their names, you know, and we get to know him a little better as the movie progresses. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it. this is a, a movie where... There are certain um, characters who get introduced late in the movie that that I didn't know what their name was or what their purpose was, and I got a little confused. But for the most part, we have kind of four male main characters, and we'll get yeah pretty familiar with them. Mm-hmm. So a doctor comes out. He says that these two uh, uh, bandaged gentlemen are shooting victims, and he tells the nurse to put them in the room with the others. And then that jumps right into the opening credits, Mo, and we get a, one of my favorite things, a opening theme song, Mo, which also Woo-hoo. has lyrics that say the title of the so- of the movie. Let's have a little listen. Operation, 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 that sensation. Operation, 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 that sensation. And that leads into, uh, you know, really a, a defining moment in your nation's history, Mo, the, the Vietnam War. Yes. It, 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 the movie flashes back to 1969, um, and we are introduced to a very important character, Mo, Private Brian. And we learn that three of his brothers have died, and they want basically him to go home after doing one more uh, mission, and he's going to be paired up. We find out in a little bit with a character named Jackson. This uh, this is a thinly veiled uh, a parody mo of the uh, movie Saving Private Ryan. Oh, I get it because it's Private Brian. Right, he's Brian, wow. and his brothers have died. Uh, and I like how instead of just sending him home, they they do still want him to do one more dangerous. Yeah, mission. it's like no, no, it's like all your brothers are dead, you know, but we still need you to do one more mission. Go for the, it. Yeah, the mission in, in this case is that there have been some soldiers who uh, basically deserted, and uh, they have a combat unit out to try to find them, led by a guy named Dr. Herbert Ost, and, uh, but then they lost contact with him. So they, they uh, want uh, Brian and Jackson to track this group down, and uh, Brian is a little bit nervous about the whole thing, but he's reassured again and again that this Jackson is some sort of super soldier mode. Yeah, they they go on with him. What I'm trying to remember what they say. Um, they well, say- he does say 
The soldier that drives him to the front, he goes, he's killed so many people, there's hardly anyone he hasn't killed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there but there was another line too where it's like you sent so he sent so many boys home that they call him UPS or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they uh, drive to the front. Uh, this um, this commander introduces uh, Brian to Jackson. Jackson is the best damn soldier in the U.S. Army, and it's a damn honor to meet him. Um, and Jackson is confident that he's going to be able to bring Brian home. Uh, but what happens then, Mo, to the uh, commanding officer? Well, hold on. Uh- Rewind back a couple of seconds here because there's because them walking up to Jackson is really funny. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like there's missiles flying everywhere and fucking like body parts. There's know, body parts flying everywhere, flying everywhere. It's like it's really ridiculous. Like it's a great setup, you know, to like, you know, to 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 the style of humor of the movie. But yeah, so we get there, we meet Jackson. Jackson explaining all this stuff, and then the um. Uh, the soldier who do we ever get his name like at all? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, a missile <laughs> hits him right in the gut and just goes right through him, leaving a giant hole. And what I love the best is you actually get to see the missile, you know, from the other side fly away. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Jackson's reaction is is at least he died a hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I think okay, we should talk a little bit about the production values in this movie, Operation Dance Sensation. Whatever complaints we have about its length, there is a lot of very very impressive work on display here particularly with the yeah. gun play that's it's i don't know i mean i imagine a lot of the actual shooting is done with like uh digital muzzle flashes but there's so many sparks in this movie it is ridiculous right well there's also scenes where like the entire end of the gun that they're firing just catches on fire <laughs> <laughs> like that happens there's a lot so of- much I mean, this movie is ostensibly a parody of 80s action movies, uh, 80s right. American action movies. So everyone is tougher than tough. The, 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 all the violence is over the top. So this is obviously not something you're supposed to take too seriously. But um, And there's also some uh, vaguely inappropriate uh, humor, I would say, in this movie. Right. As we'll get to in just a moment. Speaking of that moment, it's right now. We cut to an Asian man getting beaten up. While someone calls him a chink mo, yes, which is awful. Um, and these apparently these gentlemen uh, who are torturing him are uh, are they are now communists mo because they've they've um, they are traitors to the American cause. They are American soldiers who have become communists. You know that because they have the uh, Russian flag up on their wall. I didn't even notice that. Well, they do, Mo. They're torturing this scientist, and he says, the scientist says, I'm Swiss. I'm a scientist. And in order to uh, uh, scare him, they pour some acid into a bottle. Like, like, hey, you better tell us what you know, or we're going to pour acid on you, Mo. Right. While that's going on. And this, by the way, this is another thing about this movie. There's often, like two things that are occurring or three things and it's constantly cutting back and forth between them uh so we're, we'll probably if if nothing of note happens when it cuts back we might skip over certain bits because this movie is long as hell but that doesn't happen here something very much of note happens what um, happens Bo? so we cut back to jackson and brian who are walking along and jackson tells brian like he's explaining (laughs) to him you know like he has to keep his eyes open he has to constantly pay attention he needs Uh to you know he needs to watch his step he needs like 
all these things he needs to do to survive. And Brian's like, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to listen to everything you say. And I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. You know? And he's like, he's gung ho about it. And then a millisecond later, Jackson trips a tripwire. And Jackson trips it. Jackson trips the tripwire. And because he's fucking super soldier supreme, he notices, you know, this giant spiked ball coming his way. And he jumps out of the way. And it just impales Brian. You so, think, you're thinking that this movie is going to be like a buddy movie between Brian and Jackson. Yeah. And literally five minutes in, fucking Brian gets splattered by this giant just spike ball. fucking killed. You know? And it's funny because there's a lot of characters who keep coming back even though they're constantly being killed. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny when they come back. I think it's even funnier that Brian never comes back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jackson does not seem that upset about Brian's death. He seems a lot more upset by the fact that he has gotten a hole in the crotch of his pants, which he seems very upset by. Yup. Yup, Mo. <laughs> so then back to the communist mode. They're still beating the shit out of the scientists, but we are now introduced to some of these characters that we're going to be very familiar with by the end of this movie. One of them, Mo, is called Atlas, who is, uh, for all intents and purposes, he is Jackson's nemesis, but he is not the lead baddie. We'll get to him in just a, a little bit. Right. They're inside this kind of small structure, um, and Jackson finds it and uh, and climbs on top of the building, trying to be very sneaky. And then, of course, he falls down almost immediately, alerting immediately them. Immediately trips, yeah. <laughs> One of the soldiers uh, seems a little uh, frightened by what's going on. He says that he's been used. He refuses to go out. Um, he says that he has a disco out there waiting for him, and that's going to become important in uh, not too long as well, though. All he wants to do is disco. Some soldiers sneak onto the roof behind Jackson. And despite the fact that they are both uh, carrying machine guns and are right behind him, they all fire. He turns around and they all fire point blank at each other and do not hit at all. (laughs) 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 So uh, Atlas goes up to the roof. Uh, Jackson ends up falling off the roof and he ends up shooting up at Atlas. Uh, Atlas and him, they kind of taunt each other. Um... Uh, talking about how they, they've had the kind of, a, I guess, a long-standing feud between the two of them. Uh, he says, together we could be rich and famous. Not necessarily handsome, but rich and famous. <laughs> so I mean, uh, there's a sol- this is a great moment that happens here, Mo, and I know that you'll appreciate it more than, uh, more than some. A soldier is going along the side of the building, and he knows that, um, that, that Jackson is up on top. So what he's going to do is he's going to throw down his gun, pull out a knife, and then he's going to um, – well, actually, sorry. Jackson's on the other side of the building. He's going to climb over the building, drop behind Jackson, and stab him with the knife right in the back. And we see this play out as if it happened, but then it immediately cuts back to the guy. And we realize that it was just a fantasy. Again, Moe's favorite thing that happens in low-budget movies sometimes. Well, I mean, look, not I don't have a problem with fantasy. I have a problem with fucking dream sequences. I know, I know. I mean, this yeah. plays out sort of like a very short dream sequence but what's right. great about it is he so he envisions and fantasizes that he's going to be the guy to kill jackson he climbs up the side of the building ladder and atlas is up there he gets spooked and he immediately blows the guy's <laughs> head off and we don't mean just like like that he just like shoots the guy he literally blows the guy's head off yeah his head's gone and i like his that his response gone. Atlas's response is, things like that happen in war. Good gracious. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, uh, acid, uh, acid, uh, Atlas and, uh, Jackson are still yelling at each other, but then Jackson goes inside the building, uh, and we discover the name, Mo, of the big baddie, the guy who was threatening the scientist with the acid. His name is Zork, Mo. Zork. Zork. Now, I don't know if this is a reference to the classic, uh, computer video game, Mo, but it's an easy way to remember what his name is. His name is Zork with a C, not a K. Oh. That's good, because yeah. I was forgetting what his name was. Well, don't forget it, Mo. Jackson, he comes into the room. He picks up the bottle of acid immediately and just smashes it in Zork's face. <laughs> like, it's the first thing he does when he's in there. <laughs> that uh, soldier before who said he was used and he wants to open a disco, he says he can't take enough of the violence, and he ends up leaving. And Jackson's response is, it wasn't that bad, was it? But that uh, that so- soldier goes outside. He finds a box marked "Top Secret." That is something that's going to become very important much, much later in the movie. I love um, the fact that they have that later on in the film they have like wood crates, you know, that they use. But at this point in the movie, it's literally just a cardboard box. Yeah, it's just a cardboard box. Secret. That's exactly right. <laughs> Jackson helps the uh, scientist go. He says that he has a soft spot for Koreans. Again, uh, uh, inappropriate because this gentleman is not Korean. He's, of course, Swiss. Um, he lets the guy go. Atlas jumps down on them. And as is will be repeated for the rest of the movie. And remember that Atlas and Jackson are brothers in real life. They have a sissy slap fight on, on the ground. They just slap each other around. I love the fact that you just said sissy slap fight because my notes literally say Atlas drops down on Jackson and they have a sissy slap fight. <laughs> But they, but then it's followed out by like the most like, and this is another theme too of like the shootouts in this movie. Yeah, go one of two ways. They're either incredibly boring, or they are so ridiculously out of control. And, <laughs> and obviously, when you know when it's the latter, they're way more fun. And that's what happens here. They have their little slap fight, and then it's followed by one of the most utterly ridiculous shootouts I've ever seen. They're like inches until, away uh, from each other. Inches away from each other. Now, this is, of course, until later in the movie when those shootouts top it. But for now, <laughs> it's a good start. So they take out their machine guns and start shooting at each other, like like literally inches away from each other. Yeah. There's shit going everywhere. There's everywhere. garbage everywhere, sparks everywhere. This is just absolute chaos. So it's absolute chaos, Mo. And then it suddenly cuts. And why does it cut, Mo? Uh, because it has to transition to 20 years later. 20 years later, that would make what we now are going to spend the rest of the movie 20 years later, which, of course, that was 69. That would make the rest of the movie taking place in 1989, which makes no fucking sense for the whole rest of the movie. Yup. But be that as it may, the rest of the movie is 20 years later. It's a prison camp. Atlas is now has been a prison, I guess, for 20 years since uh, since being captured during Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> great thing happens is that a prisoner complains that Atlas isn't working hard enough. So <laughs> he picks up a brick and fucking wallops the guy in the head with it. It's yeah, that made me laugh very hard. A Cadillac pulls up and a woman uh, opens up the uh, passenger door. Oh, no, actually, first a woman uh, gives the prison warden or the the guy who's in charge of this uh, um, prison group a piece of paper. She gets out, opens up the passenger side and it is Zork, Mo, and he walks up to Atlas, who immediately uh, salutes him, and he says that he needs Atlas for an important mission. He's going to have a chance to kill his arch enemy, Mo. Bum, bum, bum. Now, next we have. <laughs> 
He well, he said he says he's going to pay for his his uh, you know his his what do they call it uh, bail bail you know, yes and, and and get him out of prison, which is fucking ridiculous. But um, it's not really how bail works. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but but then but then the next scene starts. Well, a tra- I don't mean to oh. stop. I don't mean to stop you here, Mo. But simply feel free. This particular sequence with the prison game, uh, the prison uh, work and stuff like that is all designed to be a parody of a very similar scene from Rambo First Blood Part 2. And right. you know that because the last thing that Atlas says in the sequence is, are we going to win this time, sir? Which is, of course, the line that Rambo says uh, in, the, in that movie. Right. Right, Mo. Remember that it's- movie Rambo First Blood Part 2? Very little of it, if I'm being really? honest. <laughs> well, this particular sequence does occur in it. Anyway, Mo, moving on to something amusing. Right. So so the next scene starts off a trend that happens a lot for the rest of this movie, and that is ninjas. Uh, uh-huh. There are fucking ninjas everywhere, and they're, like, disposable and replaceable and... There's a seemingly endless supply of them, and it, like every time they need like an extra character, a ninja shows up. Like it's just ninjas nonstop yeah. <laughs> for, for pretty much the rest of this fucking movie. So we get to Jackson's house, and uh, there's a ninja there who's um, getting ready to go to his house and kill him. Now he was been given a note by Atlas, <laughs> and the note is so utterly stupid, like that. <laughs> Like, I laughed very hard at the note because it's basically just a picture of a house and it says, <laughs> Jackson lives here. Go kill him. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so he starts gearing up and we have this great montage scene of him, like, strapping a million guns to him and getting himself ready. And he ends up, like, loading a bazooka, and, <laughs> you know, and he comes, you know, running into the uh, into the yard. And honestly, he's got so much gear attached to him. I'm surprised he can do any running at all. <laughs> but he's trying. So he's trying to sneak up on the house. It's a lot easier, Mo, when the when the bazooka is made from PVC pipe. Uh, yes, true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's he's trying to sneak up on the house, and he steps on like this toy, like squeaky bath duck. It's a know? rubber ducky. A rubber ducky, and just. Jackson just reaches his hand out the window and shoots him. <laughs> Apparently, a ninja attacks on Jackson's property are a very, very regular event. He, right. he literally yawns afterwards and goes back to smoking. Smoking, by the way, is another theme that is very consistent throughout this movie. I don't think there's a so sequence much. in it that Jackson is not smoking in, and Atlas smokes just as much. They're just constantly smoking. It, it becomes almost like a trailer park boys type joke right. where where every sequence he has a cigarette in his mouth. Right. Yeah, no, there's... Yeah. It, it's not just him. It's, yeah, it's Jackson, Atlas, um, Eden is constantly smoking, and I. but I don't think Zork is. Right. He's yeah, not cool it, enough, Mo. <laughs> Yeah, he said he's had too many experiences with burning <laughs> things near his face. So now I want to say, Mo, up to this point in the movie, I was one hundred percent on board. I was having yeah. a great time. I loved right. the the action. I loved the gore. I was really into it. I loved the pacing up to this point, and it feels like it's this point forward where things slow down a bit. Yep. Because we are shown, Mo, because I imagine a lot of our listeners right now are like, why is this movie called Operation Dance Sensation? Well, listeners, have a little patience. 
I'll tell you right now. Dance Sensation Mo is a uh, like a club, a dance club, a disco, I guess is what they refer a to. A discotheque. A discotheque in 1989 or whenever this movie is really supposed to take place. And um, a lot of the rest of this movie is going to take, take place in Dance Sensation, the disco. Right. We uh, are now introduced or reintroduced haha, to Mr. Eden, uh, who is being thrown to the ground, Mo, by a representative, a, a horse gazing from the German Union something. What is it from? The Union, German Union something? You think I wrote that shit down? Well, I thought I did, but I, apparently I wrote down German Union Germany, which that doesn't seem to make any sense. Well, I mean, it was G-U-G, but yeah. I don't know what. What that stands for? Are they? There's a suggestion that these people are Nazis. Is that? Are we supposed to think they're Nazis? I mean, they don't. They don't really say, as far as I can recall, directly that they're Nazis. I mean, and they kind of do that. That whole oh, he's a bad guy. He's a Nazi sort of thing. But right, like, right, 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 right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're implying that they're actually like you know, like like the current political administration in the United States. Ba boom, boom. But they are, well, they do say some racist stuff, but... Oh, uh, they say all sorts of racist stuff. But basically what they're doing is they're beating the shit out of uh, Mr. Eden because he is in debt. They don't like this discotheque being in the neighborhood. They have a vision for the whole area. And uh, basically they're giving him till Sunday and then they're going to come in and kick him out. Right. And we also get introduced to the neighbor of this uh, discotheque. His name is Ramirez Mo. And he comes out and he wants to be helpful, so he immediately just offers them all drugs. He is a drug dealer, Mo. He is very much a drug dealer. He's also one of the f- most fun characters in the film. And He's very gro- single-minded. I got to give him that. Grossly underused. But the, <laughs> he re- but- I was really hoping he was going to be like one of the major characters, but unfortunately, yeah. that was not to be. No, but but that being said, as a secondary or even really tertiary character, honestly, um, he is like all of the scenes that he's in are super fun. I like that how giving he is with his drugs. He's just yeah. like there's a part later in the movie, and of course we will acknowledge it, where he is like in a crowd of people dancing, and he's literally just spraying them with cocaine. He's just like throwing he's just it at throwing them. cocaine up in the air. <laughs> and, I mean. Just wow. So Horst, the the leader of this uh, group, says that they're going to be back at 7 a.m. on Sunday. And he wants the N-words and whores gone. Um, and every like uh, they're all everyone who's <laughs> who's part of the ownership of this club are very upset about this whole thing. Right. Back to Jackson, Mo. He's on the roof of his own house sitting with his daughter. He offers her a cigarette. <laughs> she politely refuses and he says that's a good thing that she should not be smoking cigarettes it's actually a really adorable scene i really like this yes yeah what is he doing on the roof well he's okay so he's giving her sort of a lesson on like (laughs) guns and how and he sort of explains to her how the toughest men always have the biggest guns and uh and and, and we 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 finally sort of get a get a shot uh realizing what he's doing up there and he's sort of doing target practice but at the same time he's doing his job um which we we find out soon that he's a bounty hunter now right 
and that every time he takes out one of these criminals, he gets a certain amount of money. Um, the irony, of course, being that they're supposed to be alive, and he kills almost all of them. Um, and then usually so they don't mind, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And so he starts explaining to her what the different types of bad guys on the lawn are, and how like you've got your ninjas, and how like they're bad, but they're not that bad because they don't have any guns. And then like he cuts to this random dude who's got like a <laughs> like a Rolf the dog puppet you know like under a jacket and how like he's way more worrisome you know and then there was a then there was a third type and then he goes but it doesn't really matter and he just sort of sprays them all down (laughs) he just murders he has a lawn full of people trying to kill him he's explaining who what each one of them are to his daughter and then he just picks up a machine gun and just murders them all yeah back to operation dance sensation mo or should I say the Dance Sensation Club, where a uh, the Cadillac, a familiar Cadillac, pulls up. Um, back inside, Ramirez uh, says that he, he has a little bit of uh, f- false confidence where he says that he could have kicked the asses of the people who threw uh, Ralph, Ralph Eden, Mr. Eden from before, onto the ground. Um, he calls them Nazis. That's why I wasn't sure, Mo, if he was being literal or not about calling them Nazis. Right. Um, we discover here, I didn't actually realize that, though I probably should have put two and two together. Ralph, Mr. Eden, is the aging hippie uh, guy from the beginning of the movie. The guy who was trying to run away from the violence. How did you not know that before then? I didn't really put two and two together. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they, he does say the guy's name at the beginning of the movie. I know. So I, I apparently didn't write it down. but And obviously he has know. a very different look by this point in the movie. Yeah, uh, no, he does. But... But yeah, so he's the guy from the beginning of the movie. Remember, he found a box marked Top Secret. We'll get to that in a long time from now. (laughs) (laughs) But Zork, Mo, Zork comes in, uh, and and we get a nice, good, long look at his face at this point, Mo. He has acid scars over uh, probably a quarter of his face. Yeah, it's a pretty decent effect. Yeah, it looks all right. Yeah. Uh, Ralph doesn't seem to recognize him at first, um, and Zork offers to purchase the club club and uh and then ralph says that they can go into his office and talk about it now th- now the reasoning like you know they talk for a bit but honestly like none of that really matters until he gets to the point where he asks him why he wants to buy the club right and this is one of the most ridiculous things ever where they pull out this a is map something, man this is really yeah. something they pull out a map to show that the that the club is a mile away from the border of America and Iraq, which apparently are now neighboring countries, but it's yes. R I I R A K. Though the rest of the movie doesn't <clears throat> stand by that, but yeah, at least sure. in this sequence, it's I R A K, America and Iraq. And Mo, let me correct you on something: not one mile, one kilometer away. Oh, you... yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Point six miles from the uh, border. <clears throat> so. He, yeah, so he wants to buy the club. He says that the reason is that they can advertise to the people in Iraq and that'll make them a lot of money. Uh, but he has, of course, secondary reasons uh, that we'll get to in just a little bit. Ralph is a little hesitant. He says he's built the place by himself and now can afford the art on the wall, which is a very crude recreation of Edvard Munch's The Scream, which appears to have been drawn by a child. A semi-talented child, but a child nonetheless. <laughs> I'd hang it on my wall. I thought it was fun. Uh, 
one of the women in the club, this is a very strange character because she is never really given anything to do until the end of the movie, but she's supposed to be semi-important. Uh, right. The idea is that that Zork is very interested in her. In this sequence, she throws a drink in his face and his wig, the, his very poor wig falls off. Uh, Zork offers – so Ralph is like is like speechifying about how he's built this place from the ground up. Zork offers him $100,000 for the club and Ralph is like, okay, well, I'll, I'll drop the paperwork right now. <laughs> right, yeah, just immediately. He starts typing on a modern computer, Mo, 1989, but he does start – well, modern for 2003, I should say. Right. So all of this I thought was a lot of fun. Like like it did like the movie is slowing down, but you know, it's introducing the plot. The next sequence I thought it grinds to a dead halt. Completely this, unnecessary. Sequence. This is this entire scene does nothing for the movie is only at at best mildly entertaining and is just entirely too long. There's there is one moment in this in this in this next scene that I did find fairly humorous, but honestly, I would have been happy to have not had that joke if we could have cut the entire fucking scene out. So what it does is the movie cuts to a TV show uh, called Say It Now, um, and the topic of this show it's basically like a chat show or a um, uh, an issues type show where the topic is war, and the guest on it, the first guest, is Jackson. Uh, and we're told that he supports his daughter as a bounty hunter. And the host is obviously someone who's very upset about the idea of war. Um, Jackson seems very confused that anyone would be upset about the fact that he shoots ninjas for a living. <laughs> <laughs> he says they're, he, he, there's a bounty for them. They're mostly alive, not dead. Uh, but generally, they're not picky if they're alive or dead. Um, and she's upset that he isn't bothered by the fact that he kills people for a living. And she brings out Professor Rudiger Stefan, who's a media expert. And he uses his knowledge to protect adolescents, uh, adolescents who are easily influenced by people like Jackson. Um, so, and, and so this is just a lengthy sequence where they're sort of browbeating Jackson for being an anachronism, for being old-fashioned, for being violent, that sort of thing. They even call him a war criminal. Uh, and we'd learned that, by the way, that he killed 0.8% apparently of all the North Vietnam during the Vietnam War, which is that's quite a statistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, they also I believe they also say he killed eight. He's killed 800 ninjas since the since the war ended. <laughs> Jackson says it's probably even more. <laughs> <laughs> so someone yells out saying that they're sick of waiting. It's Atlas. He comes out as the other guest. He comes out with his gun, by the way, uh, and talks about how upset he is about being in prison for 20 years. Um, he mentions that Zork and, he, and him now have a bar, uh, and that they do different odd jobs. He basically is, um, ingratiating himself to the professor and the host by saying that he's a working man, that he's supporting people like Jackson, um, and, and that Jackson should go to prison and never come out again. Right. Um, and then the professor, uh, says that he's tough as well. And that some people call him the Cobra. And well, th- this is this is the joke that made me that made me kind of laugh. Okay. It's a terrible it's a terrible joke. It's very in poor taste, but I, I got a huge kick. At it. He he yells at he yells the the Doctor Stefan yells at Jackson. He goes, "Do you know what my friends called me?" And, just, and Jackson just goes, "Gay." Yeah, I do remember when he said that, Mo. You I, are a child, Mo. I am a child. I thought that was funny. I'm stupid, but then yeah, he says he says no. It was the cobra, which is fucking ridiculous. So basically, a big brawl uh, breaks out. Everyone's slapping each other. Um, 
at one point, Atlas starts fighting as well, and then he punches the woman by mistake, and the professor jumps on Jackson's back. Um, and then the professor and the woman start beating the shit out of Jackson as Atlas holds him. At one point, Jackson sees a ninja out in the studio audience, and he shoots him. And then he just goes back to getting the shit beaten out of him. Like he goes right back to being held back. <laughs> Which I thought – I did think that was pretty amusing. Yeah. Um, they smash glasses on Jackson's head. Atlas at one point fires his gun into the crowd saying that he was a victim of war, a victim of violence. The crowd runs away. And the professor says Jackson is the disease and he is the medicine, which I believe, Mo, is a reference to the movie Cobra with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Doesn't he say that? that uh, crime, crime is the disease. I'm the cure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they smash him with the sign for the show as the closing credits roll. This sequence is endless. It just feels like it goes on forever. It really um, does. And again, there's it. even though these, these characters will come back at the very end of the movie for just like a split second, you could have cut this sequence out of the movie and it would have been so much better. It's, I mean, again, it's, I think it's just one of those things. It's so clear that it shouldn't be here that it makes you wonder why it's here in the first place. There is possibly one reason, Mo, and this was revealed to us by our uh, Patreon subscriber, Lars. He mentions that the uh, psychiatrist here is played by Bela B, Bela B or Bela B, who is one part of the famous German punk rock trio, Die Arzte. Uh, Wait, he actually is putting the pronunciation. Die Erste. Die Erste. Uh, that translates to the doctor. So apparently he's a famous punk rock musician and that's why he's here, Mo. It's, this is the kind of thing where I understand that you have your movie. You have this famous person that you want to be in it. He's in it. You don't feel like you can cut it out. That's the hard decisions that filmmakers have to make. Sometimes you got to cut your own throat. They should have cut that sequence out. Kill your babies. Kill your darlings, Mo. Whatever. What happens next? I don't know. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we a train. Get, uh, oh, a train arrives. Right. A train arrives and we do see a uh, an aged Asian looking man. Uh, could this possibly be the Swiss scientist? Uh, yes, it is. Yes. Uh, he Dr. has been invited. Ost. Yeah, he's been invited by Zork and Atlas to uh, the opening of Dance Sensation. Um, and then we... Cut to the Dance Sensation opening night. People are showing up in droves. They're very excited to come to this disco mo. We every, are introduced mm-hmm. every single time this this act, you know this this character Veronica Tell comes. That was her name, right? Veronica Tell. I think it's Veronica Rell. Maybe Rell. Rell. Yeah. I it, my auto. I, that's why I questioned it because I think my auto correct sure. uh, changed it on me. Every time she's on screen, it's useless. Yeah, I don't understand this either. So, yeah, this is this is a live TV broadcast from the opening of the club, and it's hosted by Veronica uh, Veronica Rell, and she is there with Ralph Eden, the the owner of the. I mean, he's still ostensibly, I guess, the guy running the club, right. and they have a live feed outside, and they start talking about how they have the a DJ Wolfgang Jack out there, and he's going to find the right rhythm, so he can't stand still. I don't understand what this is supposed to be all about. There's a suggestion that that Veronica is like interested in ralph um well here's here's the mm -hmm. the thing normally we have a problem with filler when the movie's too short here we have we have entire scenes and they do this like three times yeah like at least at least twice in the movie and these scenes are just straight up filler yeah it's just i mean it's a montage of things happening in the club we see the bouncer looking for 
um, illegal things, and 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 apparently it's just reinforcing that it's very busy there. But but, but, but at some point could, she's they, mm-hmm. they could have done that with three establishing shots and yeah. then moved on to the next fucking scene. Um. So she may asks him what uh, his dream woman is like for some reason, and he says that it's just like her. And then she wishes him good luck in the opening. I, again, I don't understand what this whole sequence is supposed it's, to be for. Exactly. So back at the club, though, it is jumping, Mo. It's 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 popping off, as the kids say. Um, Ramirez is there. Uh, he's asking if anyone has seen his coke. Apparently, he's misplaced it. <laughs> his introduction to people is, "I'm Ramirez. I sell drugs." <laughs> <laughs> the place is is uh, it's pretty hardcore. There's people groping each other on the dance floor. There's actually people fucking on the dance floor as well, Mo. Right. A priest actually sees a. There's a priest who's there for some reason. He sees a couple having sex. He calls them sinners. Uh, Ralph is there and he is drinking on the dance floor. Uh, at this point, I believe he's also doing cocaine. We see people with mounds of cocaine doing it. It just seems like a really fun time in dance sensation. Yeah, not exactly 1989 fun times, but I mean, whatever. Jackson is there too. Now, why is Jackson at dance sensation? I don't even fucking remember. I I don't know. I don't. I well, he yeah. did in the mail. He did get a, a wanted poster for. Um, for Zork, yeah. For Zork, right? So I guess that's part of this, but there's it's never really established why he has decided to come here. I guess that's why, though. So he goes to the bar, he sees Atlas in there, of course they're both smoking, and I I do have to say, I really like the Jackson-Atlas relationship in this movie. Yeah, it's great. It's more like they're kind of like, well, they're brothers in real life, but it's kind of that, that relationship, right? Where they... Right. Constantly snipe at each other, but also have a weird sort of friendship at the same time, or at least some sort of <laughs> odd camaraderie, even though they're trying to kill each other all the time. Yeah. At least some mutual respect is going on here. Right, um, right. Atlas uh, is very upset to see Jackson there. He goes, how dare you appear in public after your appearance on TV? Uh, Zork comes downstairs and sees Jackson. Jackson... um Says that he doesn't trust Zork. Zork blames him for his face being messed up, and it is his fault. He did smash it's, that ass. It's right entirely his fault. Yeah. <laughs> and fucking Jackson's response is: Other people have no legs or arms, or they're blind. But you're complaining about some acne, and he goes, "Acne? <laughs> I'm talking about napalm." <laughs> and Jackson says, "If this was wartime, he would shoot them right now." But everyone here seems to be having a good time. Yep. So uh, they. Um, they do mention that uh, Herbert Ost uh, is there, the doctor uh, who was tortured at the beginning of the movie. Um, and he arrives yeah, they, at the place. Mm-hmm. They seem to not recall that he was the guy who they tortured at the beginning. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, he obviously re- re- uh, recalls it because he actually has a quick flashback showing him. Uh, actually, when I say quick, this is actually a really strangely lengthy flashback. It's a really long flashback. Yeah, I think that's the joke. Where uh, where he's having a flashback to being tortured by uh, Zork and Atlas. And there, it just keeps going back to Atlas laughing in his face while he's being tortured. And it just keeps right. going and going and going. And I, I have to say, by the end of it, I did find it pretty funny because it was going on so long. Yeah, it's co- it's comedy torture. This is comedy torture done right. That that was, I mean, it was a long montage, but that's fine. Not, you know, I don't have a problem with this one. There's plenty of other shit I have issues with that I didn't have a problem with but my but the best the best part though is after this montage ends they're immediately sitting around a table and why Jackson's there with them is beyond yeah, me I know but- they're all just drinking around the table I like what Jackson's response to it is he goes isn't that the Chinaman you beat the hell out of I mean what the fuck 
fuck? Yeah, so you they're know? all getting drunk around the table. Yeah, and, and they're talking about a beer recipe, you know? Yeah, they're apparently Ost is working on some sort of home brand beer. Um, and he says that the reports are going to be available in the next couple of days. We get a montage mo of people getting jiggy with it on the dance floor uh, to a song, a very strange song. Well, let's have a little very listen strange to, song. to this song. Somehow, you look like a Jackson. What? I mean, what is that supposed to be? Who knows? <laughs> Somehow you look like a Jackson. <sighs> so, one of the guys who threw Ralph onto the ground when we were first introduced to uh, him uh, in front of Dance Sensation, he is inside the uh, bar as well. Um, and he is trying to hit on one of the female, I guess, waitresses there. Um and he says that they're going to buy this place and that a lot of the riffraff are going to have to leave so our kids can leave in peace. And then Atlas, who watches this, he's uh, jealous, so he shoots him in the head. <laughs> and yeah, pretty, like, unceremoniously. Dude. Very pretty, unceremoniously. Yeah. And then he basically starts kind of um, talking about his war experiences to her, trying to impress her. She's, she's, he said, that he goes, I, he says, I saw people die, but it wasn't so bad. I killed most of them. <laughs> <laughs> But he walks. She walks away from him as he starts talking about his gun. Uh, and there's another female bartender who looks very uncomfortable with this. Um, and then something very strange happens. Jackson asks Atlas, I guess, for a light for a cigarette. Atlas uh, basically is jealous of the fact that Jackson is so good with women. And then Jackson says that he has to go because he needs to bake a cake for his daughter because it's her birthday tomorrow. And somehow Atlas <laughs> interprets this as an invitation to his kid's birthday party. <laughs> Which actually turns into one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Like it's so stupid and ridiculous. It turns it it does turn into one of my favorite scenes, and then evolves into one of my least favorite scenes. Yeah, well, that's fair, fair, fair point, fair point. So, um, uh, there's there's we get more montage and more people dancing. Ralph, if for some reason, is very upset about the fact. I think it's with the fact that the place is very successful now, and he built it up, but now Zork took everything away from him. Um. Zork uh, comes over and tells Ralph to to move away from one of the women who are there. And um, I, I, who is this woman supposed to be? They never say. So she's an attractive woman. Zork yeah. tries to hit on her, but she takes out a gun and points it at his balls. Yep. Ralph goes to get a beer. Uh, uh, out in the back, he's getting beer uh, for for the uh, for the bar. There's all these cases of beer, and there's also a flag. Or some sort of wall-mounted cloth thing, which has a picture of Rambo on it, Mo. Uh, he starts moving cases of beer, and we see him open a door that's behind this wall hanging. And uh, he finds inside of it boxes marked Top Secret, Mo. I really want a Rambo wall tapestry like that. I think it's pretty cool. My favorite part of this whole thing is that when he opens up the door... On and he sees of, the American flag. He sees the American flag and just immediately starts saluting. And he like <laughs> hops to and salutes it. <laughs> uh, and we Ugh. see that Atlas is watching him as he goes into this room. That'll become right. semi-important a little bit later. The next day, Mo, it is a <laughs> children's birthday party. This fucking apron. <laughs> Jackson comes out wearing an apron, which has fake breasts attached to it. <laughs> He brings out the cake for his daughter. 
There's only four candles on it, but she says, I'm five today. He goes, that's easy to fix. And he puts a cigarette on it and he tells them to eat up. <laughs> like it makes, then, you, it, make, it makes you wonder how many kids out there have had parents who have done exactly that to them. <laughs> look, I'm just going to uh, take a stance here, Mo, on this episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Candles uh, are useless. Candles on cakes, they're just not necessary. Yeah. It's a waste. They're just, they're nothing, right? You can't eat them. You just throw them away afterwards. What's the point? Exactly. You should use cigarettes so that way at least, you know, once you blow away the ash, you can smoke the rest of the cigarette and it's got some frosting on the end of it. It's perfect. You know what you should really use, Mo? Uh A big doob. A big doobie. A big old doobie. A big doobie that you can can smoke afterwards at 420. Perfect. Especially for a a five-year-old's birthday party. Hey, you got to do... What you got to do? Because <laughs> I feel like that's the only way I'd survive one. So Ugh. Atlas arrives at this party, along with Ralph, for some reason, and a ninja. So the three of them have arrived. Atlas has a present, apparently some sort of military-based model kit. And Jackson goes over to them and he says, like, what are you doing here? He says, you're not welcome. And Atlas goes, that's not what you were saying yesterday. And Jackson's response is very sensible, which is, what do you mean? Why would I invite guys I've hated since we were in Vietnam? But <laughs> they say they have loads of presents. They also have a gun. But uh, Jackson, uh, I guess he decides, okay, I guess it's fine. He says, I have some cake left. Sit down and I'll get some coffee. And he tells all the kids in the party to go inside. Uh, so they all sit down, Mo, and they are sitting around eating cake. And Jackson asks if they want to play a game. Now, tell me all about this game, Mo. Oh, this game is so stupid. Tell um, me, I don't know if this is based on a real German, not a real German game. It's obviously ridiculous, but I don't know if this is supposed to be like a reference to some sort of game. But this sequence is fucking interminable. Yeah, it takes way too long. So they they, they play this, what I presume otherwise would have been a drinking game. But um, you roll a dice, and if you get a six, you have to... Put on a hat, a scarf, and a, and a pair of gloves. Right. And then use a fork and butter knife uh-huh. <laughs> to cut open a package that has chocolate in it. And the first person to eat the chocolate wins. You know, Mo, it's, it's funny. when As you explain those rules to me, that actually sounds like, okay, I can see how that would be a fun game. In the context of the movie, it's completely baffling. Like it, it doesn't. Yeah. It's all edited very strangely, and it, it it's hard to tell what the hell is going on at any particular time. And it right. looks like it would be impossible to win. Right. So we get a montage of them playing the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the montage goes on for too long, and you know there there's moments, and it all leads up to basically, uh, I think was is it Jack? Yeah, Jackson thinking that the ninja is. Cheating. No, no, it's Atlas who thinks the ninja is cheating. Oh, at, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And he, they shoot him. Yeah, they shoot him in the head. And then Atlas calls someone for a new ninja who arrives immediately. Immediately. Uh, and Jackson's upset about the other ninja showing up. Atlas says he usually travels with three and that he should be happy about it. And Jackson kills that ninja. Right. Ralph then leaves to get cigarettes. And Jackson and Atlas brawl. And by brawl, I mean they have another sissy slap fight. But it <laughs> immediately turns into Jackson throwing what now appears to be an Atlas-shaped dummy through pieces of furniture, including the table <laughs> that they were around. Um, 
And then he smashes a cake in his face. More ninjas show up. Uh, show up. Um, my favorite part of this is Jackson shoots one of the ninjas who, instead of falling down, he, he like moves backwards further and further and further. So he can oh, right. a bush. <laughs> <laughs> so he can find, fall onto a comfortable patch. And he also shoots one in the head, which just, uh, explodes and splatters. Um, and then, uh, he, he, Oh, and then he smashes Atlas in the head with the remaining cake. He pushes his face into it. Then he hits him with a stuffed clown. And then Jackson kills more ninjas with his gun while Atlas beats up the stuffed clown. Right. It looks like it was a lot of fun to film this. It is not as fun to watch it. Right. Though that part at the end where he's beating up the clown, I did find that pretty amusing. But, I mean, they could have cut out, you know, several minutes of the scene to get to that a little quicker. I mean, this this movie should be ninety minutes, man. This that it I mean, that's be. if if I can tell you nothing else about this movie, it's just it is exactly twenty minutes too long. Well, you um, know, you know what, you know what they say. They say comedies in the long shot. They don't say comedies in the long running time. I also get the impression while watching it that some of the cultural references are not something I'm able to understand, even though it is a satire of American kind of military might. I feel like right. there's elements of this we are not getting. Maybe even the culture of discos is something that if I don't know if that really does still exist in Germany, but it's it's a little you know it's a little hard to relate to. I mean, I know it does in Italy. I don't know if it does in Germany or not. They love their they love their beautiful uh, uh, discos in Germany, Mo. They like to dance on the dance floor. They like to listen to the lecture on music, Mo. Hey, fun boys, get the room. Hey, fun boys. Hello. <laughs> later at Dance Sensation, Mo. Um, later at Dance Sensation, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Ost is there, the scientist. He's doing experiments on beer, which will be revealed in just a moment. Um, he asks Zork if he's found the weapons yet. And Zork says that he searched the whole club. There's supposed to be weapons stashed there, Mo, but he cannot find them he's very upset at ralph um but atlas then mentions atlas who's there still with cake on his face (laughs) (laughs) he says that uh to zork that he saw ralph fiddle around in the attic um and zork says that he should have told him sooner then zork answers the phone and he learns that their clients are there mo and he meets with his clients who are his clients mo the iraqis now Describe the Iraqis to me, Mo. Now, I should mention, oh. we've mentioned there's a lot of ninjas in this movie. The ninja costumes in this movie are extremely poor. Yes. Describe the Iraqis to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, imagine a couple of white guys. Uh-huh. With, uh huh. German paste- white guys? <laughs> German white guys with... um. Pasted on mustaches. At least one of them has a pasted on mustache. And what looks like a mustard colored tablecloth. Uh huh. Just sort of strapped to their head. Yes. They are not actually Iraqis, they are just people pretending to be them. Right. So, um, they. They offer uh, a Zork a gift to Mo. What's his uh, gift that they give him? I, it's like a like a water vessel of some kind. Yeah, some or, sort of vessel. I'm glad. I just asked yeah. you because they called it a like a Fakharak or something, but I don't think that's an actual word. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, Herbert shows, Herbert Ost, he shows 
the Iraqis, what he's been working on, the rockets he's been developing. And he explains that the fuel is easy to transport because it's been disguised in the beer bottles of the beer they're drinking, Mo. Bah, bah, bah. So the Iraqis, the Iraqis have the go-ahead. They're going to get the equipment the uh, tomorrow evening. And they say, uh, Zork says that the rabble will be distracted because they're having a dance contest, Mo. <laughs> But before we get to the dance contest, Jackson has the visit with his grandmother. Yeah, what's the point of this scene? Well, I guess it does explain <laughs> where his daughter is for the rest of the movie for the most part. But I it's... guess. So he brings his daughter to his grandmother's house. It's just an older woman. He asks the grandmother to look after the daughter while he goes and works for a bit. Uh, he does have a cigarette in his mouth, of course, the whole time. And he goes to his daughter. Daddy has to earn some money. He, lo- he leaves. And for some reason, the grandmother... Uh, she shows the kid a Batmobile. And she's like, isn't this lovely? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like, honestly, like, that one moment actually does kind of make this scene worth it because it's <laughs> so fucking adorable. Uh, I mean, like, honestly, the grandmother is really adorable. <laughs> so, uh, back to another live TV broadcast from Dance Sensation with Veronica Real outside. Oh, not outside. She's with Ralph once again. Uh, they are there for the dance contest. They say it's going to be a sensation. And then she says, and of course, the club is called Operation Dance or just called Dance Sensation. And that, she goes, that just dawned on me that it's going to be a sensation and it's called sensation. I don't know what she's talking about. Um, she mentions that she, she, he shows the vessel to her, the, the water vessel, right. and she recognizes what it is. She says she was a foreign correspondent in Iraq, and uh, then they suggest that maybe the winner of this dance contest could launch a career in show business because there's so much attention being paid to Dance Sensation. Um, then Jackson like arrives. But there's like 25 people in this club. <laughs> and it's just a small club. Well, it's yeah. in the USA at the border of the of America and Iraq, most. So maybe, hey, it's getting TV attention for some goddamn that's, reason. That's um, Jackson then arrives. He has a ton of weapons with him, including a gigantic machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ralph uh, says to the, uh, the TV presenter, uh, he says, I need to get something off my chest. And all he wants to say is that Wolfgang Jack, the, the MC uh, or the DJ, is going to MC and not just play records. And then the female, Veronica, she says that she wants to meet the DJ. And I guess Ralph is jealous of this. Uh, and then he starts saying that the DJ is not that great. This is a useless sequence. It is really, really useless. They all Especially because they've already established this is a fucking place. Like, it, we right. don't, th- this is particularly unimportant. Exactly. It does, though, lead into people dancing, Mo, and another very strange song that they're dancing to. <laughs> this yeah, is even something strange. like, please tell me you got a clip of it. Oh, I do have a clip. Let's have oh. a little listen. <laughs> Fly like a bullet in my body, and my body is wounded in red. That last part, Fly that's like not even English. I don't even know what that word I think he says it's wounded in red. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jackson is in the club. Atlas once again asks him what the hell he's doing here. They have a scuffle. Um, one of the women who work there tell them to cool down. Uh, Ralph. In the other room, Ralph has a mountain of cocaine in front of him. And I mean, like, he has a pile of it that he is starting to snort. Yeah. Then who shows up, Mo? A character in a wheelchair. 
<laughs> yeah. So this is the uh, the uh, previously and for the rest of the movie unnamed soldier. Um, he never they ne- they seriously never give this guy's name, right? Yeah, I don't think so. He's the mayor. Yeah. I know that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he's the guy who got blasted with the uh, with the missile at the beginning of the movie. Yes, exactly. And he comes out, and he's the mayor, and he basically is thanking Zork for opening the disco. I, it's so strange because apparently this place was open before, but the grand reopening, I guess, has been very popular. Um, so. he, he also mentions that Zork uh, has found a brewery that they should support and extol this great beer. It's called Atomic Blastmo, which is a little on the nose, I think. A little bit. And then he starts telling a long story about how alcohol can sometimes help you go through difficult times. Like like when he got a stomach wound in Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, remember, he had a missile shot through his body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ralph is high, dancing like crazy. Uh, and the waitress co- uh, comes to him and says that they are out of drinks. We, uh, we do get to see some of the dance contest, Mo, where Wolfman Jack, he's talking to the crowd, asking them if they win a trophy, if they want to win a trophy. And he introduces the, uh, the jury, the judging of the dance contest. Who's doing the judging in this case, Mo? <laughs> it's an all ninja jury. All ninja jury. He says, move those hips and show your tits. Uh, they do not do that. Uh, Ralph goes to get beer. He notices that his flag has been moved. And when he, investigates he gets knocked unconscious by atlas who was already in there he has a flashback to vietnam mo where remember at the very beginning of the movie where he found those top secret weapons um (laughs) it's so great he finds the weapons uh in the top secret boxes he goes into zork and he tells him that he found the weapons and zork's very excited but then the radio says that the vietnam war is over (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they decide that they're going to take the weapons to America and hide them in Ralph's disco. Um, but then Zork is immediately arrested and then Ralph just moves to America and he does that. He, he, he moves the weapons into his disco. And then in the flashback, as soon as he's leaving, he hits his head. Is this mode where we're supposed to think that he develops the amnesia where he's not sure what, what this stuff is? Yeah. Yeah, so he has amnesia because he constantly trips and hits his fucking head on things. Understandable. I can really And in fact, he wakes up from this flashback. He runs to to stop the people from stealing the the weapons and he runs into a pole that earlier we saw him actually move out of the way of and then he knocks himself out again. He's a smart smart man. He's not so smart, Mo. I think that's kind of being reinforced <clears throat> here. <Right. laughs> Uh, so Atlas is dancing in front of the crowd. He's a member of the uh, of the dance. Con- he's, he's part of the dance contest. Um, the crowd doesn't seem very impressed, so he does point his gun at them. Wolfman, he's there. He doesn't dance. The ninjas give him all tens because, of course, they work for him. Though. Yep. The ninja then comes out to dance, and the crowd seems to be pretty into that ninja, but not as right. Uh, not- not as into the ninja as they are into Ramiresmo, who has made his return to the movie. He he is the DJ says that he has one of the sexiest asses in town. And well, you uh, have to, well, hold on, hold on. You have to mention you have to mention the fact that the ninja jury gave the ninja all tens. Yeah, well, of course, because, because that is moderately important later. Right, that, that you're right. It is important, just a little bit. Yes. So right now the ninja is tied with Atlas, but Ramirez comes out onto the dance floor, starts dancing, and um, 
and he throws handfuls of cocaine. (laughs) Throws handfuls of cocaine at the crowd. Um, So at this point in the movie, I have it in my notes. It feels like we're moving right towards the end of it. Like this is like it feels like it's all culminating here. And there's still 44 minutes left in this fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like like this makes sense, right? The Iraqis are here, they're being distracted. It's all going to turn into an action sequence and the movie's going to be over. But it it now there is an extended climax that's just going to keep going and going and going. So, uh the the women are literally fainting in the crowd because they love Ramirez so much, but the ninjas only give him like fours <laughs> and fives as a score. And then the DJ says, now it's time for the real Jackson, not Michael Jackson, Jackson. <laughs> uh, but while this is happening, Ramirez actually runs into the Iraqi, uh, Iraqis and, and the scientist Ost, and he offers to sell them cocaine. Um, and eventually they, as he tries to give samples out for free, the Iraqis murder him. So Jackson asks the crowd, <laughs> as he's dancing, whether Atlas danced like shit. And uh, and then he says they're going to dance like there's blood on the dance floor, which is ironic because there will be very, very soon. Very soon. Although the ninjas do give Jackson straight zeros, as you would expect. As you would expect. Uh, the mayor, he is uh, now pouring out champagne to both Zork and Atlas. He's saying that uh, it was like a, it's been a very big success. Um, though it seems a little upset at the idea that Zork says it, basically he's going to be the new mayor of the town. Um and then a bunch of military guys show up on the dance floor, Mo. They're actually Iraqis who have now taken over the town. Right. It's very um, Red Dawn. Yes, very Red Dawn, except instead yeah. of communists, uh, they're Iraqis. Right. <laughs> and back back with the baddies, they, uh, they give uh, Zork, I guess, his payment, which is a briefcase full of gold. And though this isn't very amusing, I do love that they open up the briefcase and then one of the Iraqis turns to him and just winks at this thing. <laughs> that was so fucking weird. <laughs> There's tons of people just losing their shit. They're screaming and running out of the disco because they're scared about these Iraqis on the dance floor. Um, the Zork says, uh, enjoy the weapons and don't forget the atomic blast. And then they give him another present. They say that he's going to be the new mayor of this lovely town. And they give him a bunch of flowers. And the mayor, who's still there in his wheelchair, he goes, but I'm still the head of the town. And then the Iraqis shoot him. <laughs> he goes, you can't hurt me. Because he then shows his stomach wound from before, and he describes how he got the injury, but then they throw a grenade and they blow up the top of his head, uh, which you, which is very amusing. The mayor also said some racist things, so I don't feel so bad about him getting his head blown up. Exactly. <laughs> so Jackson, he runs into the back because he wants to see what's going on. He sees some a really weird back scene. There. This is a very strange scene. So he asks them where the toilets are, and he says that there's none there. Um... And um, then he leaves and then comes back and starts to take a piss in front of them. Well, he starts to pre- make he, like he's going to pee on the wall. Yeah, he's like he's going to pee, pee on the wall. One of them uh, get, goes up to him and is very upset. He turns to them, Mo, and then what happens? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jackson takes his uh, appendage, if you will, and... Plugs up the end of the gun with it. Yeah, though it also seems like he's he's grabbing it with his dick. Right. Maybe. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's very weird. And then but, his dick shoots the guy? See that's what I that's the impression I got was that his it was that his his it was his dick shooting the guy. 
And after his dick shoots one of the Iraqis, the other one who witnessed this whole thing, he just offers up his gun to Jackson. Yeah, well, he, Jackson says to him, he goes, that one's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back in with the uh, um, Atlas and Zork, Atlas is basically telling the ninjas to fan out to get Jackson because he's free. Um, and he even tells the judges that they got to look everywhere for him. He goes, he'll kill us all. Well, not me, but you're cannon fodder for him. <laughs> <laughs> and this now will then proceed, Mo, to a series of action sequences, mostly featuring Jackson just mowing down tons and tons and tons of these ninjas. And every once in a while, I mean, Atlas will eventually join the fray and he'll be mowing down tons and tons of Iraqis. Yeah. Um, my notes here just say Jackson shoots a lot of ninjas. There's some fun gags here. Uh, we should mention, uh, I should at least mention my favorite, which is one of the ninjas cartwheels, uh, towards Jackson and kicks him in the face. And another one comes up behind him with a butcher knife. He grabs the butcher knife and then rams the butcher knife into the guy's crotch who was cartwheeling. Yeah, that was pretty rough. So, uh, the Iraqis are like, are very confused about why they're so upset about, uh, Jackson, who's already killed 40 of their men, by the way. <laughs> Atlas says that their men are nothing and that uh, At- both Atlas and Jackson could kill them all in a jiffy. And then it cuts back to Jackson and he is mowing down ninjas with a machine gun, like dozens of them. And there are sparks going everywhere. They're in some sort of like industrial, like heating room or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're told that he's now killed over 600 men <laughs> in this rampage. Um <laughs> Zork is very upset to get this news, and he says that they should use some of the mega weapons that they've developed. And the Iraqis are like, hey, we just ups- we just bought those. And so Atlas shoots the Iraqis, and then he says he's going to go after Jackson himself. Um, and then right before they die, the Iraqis let the their men know on the radio that they've been killed by Atlas and Zork, which means that everyone's out there killing everyone, Mo. Right. So we should mention, by the way, that Zork has a female assistant named Steffi. Uh, who's kind of his right-hand woman, and uh, he asks her um, if she's got the rings, which will become important in just a moment. Oh, I do you know why? I do know why, but I missed this moment, to be honest. Right. Yeah. So Ralph then, who has been away for a bit uh, sorting coke, he shows up. He's very upset that they've ruined the place. Uh, Atlas t- takes his own hand and slaps him with it, which I really like. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the waitress from earlier, uh, she tries to grab Atlas and stop him. And then Atlas says, I thought you were in love with me, which is a very odd thing for him to say. Mm. A ninja does a try to, a- a try to attack Jackson with a sword. Uh, this, this is really terrific. So he swings the sword at him. Jackson ducks, but his hat just hangs in the air, so the swipe goes beneath his hat, but above that, his head. That was a that was a fun effect. That was really fun. Then he dodges like the the sword in like this weird fake slow motion for a second, and then he takes the sword and cuts off a ninja's head, and then he slaps the other one to death. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Atlas does encounter a bunch of Iraqis. He shoots them all, um, and in the middle of the gunfight, fucking. Uh, Jackson gets a call from his grandmother. <laughs> yeah, she like talks to him about the weather. <laughs> yeah, just just seeing what's going on. He's like, I'm working. And she goes, isn't that nice? That sort of thing. But uh, she asks, the grandmother asks if his daughter's allowed to watch TV. And he's like, yeah, but no sex movies. And then he hangs up and just goes back to killing. We cut to Ralph, who is now awake. And he is uh, doing another mound of cocaine. Uh, in just a moment, we'll see him take 
a what is a gig- like he's using like a little metal straw to snort it yeah. and then he switches it out for basically a huge metal tube in order to snort it isn't there also a scene here where jackson like uh sticks a gun in a guy's butt and like yes. fucking shoots him right in the butthole he does so <laughs> it's actually not jackson it's atlas oh, it's atlas right atlas right. finds an iraqi uh, guy and he shoots him in the ass um at one point an iraqi shoots atlas a cigarette and he uh, and he shoots him until he spurts up blood, and then there's an Iraqi who falls down. He's like on some sort of not a rope, but like a some sort of like hanging uh, mechanism, like you would use to 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 fly across a stage in a production. Right. And he gets he gets killed. But then Atlas, mm-hmm. yeah, he shoots one in the ass. Who like he shoots him in the ass, and he like goes up the handrail of a, uh, a stairwell, <laughs> and then he sh- then he shoots another guy in the stomach, and he shoots him up onto a piece of machinery. so then atlas's machine gun that he's shooting people with it jams and then we see a woman i guess she was the woman from earlier who people were trying to hit on i don't know who she's supposed to be in the context of the movie yeah but uh she is i guess uh, the enemy of atlas for some reason she goes over to shoot atlas because his machine gun is jammed he pulls one of the iraqi soldiers in front of him rips off the guy's arm for some reason uh and then he goes to check on her she kicks him in the face um and a soldier comes up behind him she climbs up onto his shoulders i guess you know to try to to trap his head with her thighs or something right. and he hangs her backwards in the classic john west maneuver <laughs> <laughs> over his back so when the iraqi tries to shoot him in the back he ends up shooting this woman instead i never figured out who this woman was or was supposed to be yeah, I don't know. I know she was with the Iraqis, um, but for what, I'm not sure. I guess she's an Iraqi. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, more of Ralph snorting coke. He reaches peak uh, highness and his, uh, his, his sunglasses pop off his face as his eyeballs jut out of his skull because he's so high. I liked that moment. Yeah, and then he starts smashing up his office for reasons that are undetermined. Right. Uh, so then Atlas goes down to where the doctor uh, is, with, where he's still meeting the Iraqis. He tells them that the, uh, the, deal, uh, the deal is off. He throws down his gun saying he doesn't believe in violence. And then in a very Peter Jackson-y move, he takes a rifle, jams it through a soldier's stomach, and shoots the rest of him. Uh, <laughs> but before he starts shooting them, he dodges a bullet that shot at him. And it's I've... this massive <laughs> bullet on a string that just goes... And he, like, dodges it by moving his head to the side. I fucking... I loved that. Yeah, that's terrific. And like he gets like a he gets attacked by a guy with a drill, yes. And so and so what ends up happening is <laughs> the guy the guy drills into his gun, and of course the gun starts spinning, <laughs> around, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to remember how it ends. Like I know so, he, had, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So Atlas, gra- so yeah, so the gun is spinning. Atlas is able to ma- to maneuver the drill away from him, and he drills the guy in the chest. Right. So then a soldier starts up, an Iraqi soldier starts up the truck that has some of the weapons in it, and Atlas jumps into the back of it as it, as it drives away. Um, Ralph finds, he comes downstairs, he finds Ramirez's corpse, because remember the Iraqis killed him when they tried to offer them coke. Right. Um, and he starts to cry, and he's just wondering if they'll ever be able to stop 
the senseless killing and he regrets ever teaming up with Zork because Ralph is apparently, <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure until this scene, I guess he's one of the good guys. <laughs> I don't know if it's that cut and dry in this movie. It's not. So Jackson arrives. He sees Ralph over uh, the corpse. Ralph blames the whole thing on himself because he says he brought the stuff over and stored it there. And then he explains to Jackson that they had all the, the weapons stolen and brought from Vietnam to the U.S. and he's been storing it. Uh, so they open up one of the crates uh, and then um, and so they see the weapons. <laughs> and in a moment, they're going to construct one of those weapons, Mo. This is where the movie starts to get really fucking weird. Like, there's, if it had, like, there's like 25 minutes left in this movie. Yeah, and there's some really weird shit to come. Um, so we see Atlas in the back of the Iraqi truck, and uh-huh. he's and he's you know using glue and like p- putting together pieces, and it really looks like he's like assembling IKEA furniture. Yeah, he's got like he's uh, really putting some effort in while yeah. the truck is driving to build something in the back of this truck. Right, exactly. He's putting shit together. We don't really get to see what it is. And even when it's like done for this first moment, we still don't really get to see what it is. It's not until a couple of moments later. <laughs> but um yeah. So so we we kind of get a cut back and forth between Ale- uh, Atlas building his weapon and Jackson building his weapon. Um and then Jackson and Ralph, they roll their weapon out the door. Mo, what have they built? They have built a ridiculously large machine gun. Yeah, and it's it's not now don't it's not like a cannon. They've built a machine gun. It's on a wheels. machine gun, yeah. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. So while they are now gone outside, they're actually heading trying to track down Atlas, um, even though he's in the back of a truck, a woman comes downstairs and finds Ramirez's body. She's one of the employees of the bar of, of Dan Sensation. I don't like she was shown earlier in the movie, but she hasn't right. really been established. Her name is Janet. And apparently Zork is obsessed with her. Um and he arrives and he basically uh proposes to her with the right. rings that his uh, his um uh, assistant Steffi has given him. So she punches him in the face, he goes, Does that mean no? And then uh, he goes, You're, I was in love with you and you stomped all over my feelings. Steffi pulls out a gun to shoot her. Janet uh, hits the gun and the, the gun goes off and shoots off Zork's wig. Um, and Steffi and Janet ends up having a fight that actually ends up really terrific where she takes Zork's cane, whirls it around, knocks out all of Steffi's teeth and then impales her with it. Yeah. Which is actually pretty great. And um, And then Zork grabs her and points a gun at her chin and says that they're going to get married with Atlas as his best man. And then he calls for Atlas. But while all of that's going on, Mo, the Iraqi who is driving the truck that Atlas is in the back of, <clears throat> he stops the truck. He suspects there's something going on. So he does a really smart move, which is that he basically crawls under the back of the truck and kind of crawls, pushes back so he'll have a good angle right. to shoot at whoever's in the back of it. And then we discover... What Atlas has been building, Mo? What's he been building? He's been building a giant gun. But it's <laughs> not its not like a giant gun in the sense of of the machine gun that 
that Jackson built. This is more like a giant revolver. He's he's built a giant revolver. That's exactly right. Yeah, and it's and- lack. It's severely lacking in power. So he he decides he's going to give it a test fire, and he shoots it, and the the bullet just sort of lazily falls out the end of the gun. But just so happens to be exactly where the Iraqi's head was and blows his head up. Yeah, it just smushes his head. I like it smushes his head and it's just a pile of goo with like two eyeballs in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. So Atlas calls someone on the phone. He's saying that he's at the border with with the super gun, but that it's heavy and he can't shoot it. So he asks for reinforcements. He says, I'm looking for five or seven, uh, 60 ninjas. So he asks for many, many ninjas to come join the fight. Ralph and Jackson are rolling their giant gun to this building where the rest of the movie basically will be taking place. And uh, eventually Jackson and Ralph, they see Atlas with his giant revolver and some ninjas. And uh, Jackson goes, we're back again at the front at home. And that then leads to a very, very silly action sequence moment. This is the most ridiculous gunfight in the, in the entire movie. Which is saying something. It yeah. starts with like a, like a Sergio Leone type. Uh, stare down with like them all staring at each other. But remember, one of them has a absolutely like it's the size of like a fridge <laughs> revolver, <laughs> and the other guys are pushing a gigantic machine gun. Um, and and they um, and they're they're ready to mow each other down. Uh, uh, Ralph is very nervous because remember he was a conscientious objector, which I don't know why he ended up joining the communists during the war. I guess there's some logic there. Um, sure. And there's a a moment where um, Jackson gets a uh, a message on his phone. It's Atlas telling him that his gun is bigger. And Ralph says that theirs is longer. So they text that back. And we see Atlas receive the text. And he just looks <laughs> completely nonplussed by the whole thing. <laughs> so they have a huge fight scene. And they both are shooting their ludicrous guns. Uh, ninjas and Iraqi soldiers. They go flying. It is absolutely uh, crazy. Um, Jackson, uh, tells Ralph to get a gun and come up from behind, but he says he's never killed anyone. But, uh, he then, uh, he says, Jackson says, Atlas has never fucked anyone, but there's time for anything. I was yawning. <laughs> We're almost at the end, Mo. I know this is a long episode. Yeah. Ralph rolls through a, uh, rolls through the group of ninjas to get to the, be, I guess, behind them. Uh, he narrowly avoids getting blown up. Actually, this part where Ralph is going through the building and there are explosions happening all around him looks legitimately dangerous. Yeah. He does it's shoot cool. an, a ninja. Yeah, it does look cool. He shoots a ninja with an Uzi. Uh, he does at one point see a gigantic bullet go past and he clumsily, <laughs> like, re- he sees this bullet. And it's about to explode, I guess, or some sort of ordinance. He tries to climb up through a window, and he just, like, is super clumsy doing it. And right. it basically falls out the window while it explodes. Uh, there's also another explosion, and we see a ninja dummy hit the ground, which I thought was pretty terrific. <laughs> I do like dummies, I have to say. Yeah, you know. We uh, Jackson and Atlas are getting closer and closer to each other. We see a ninja running away from a missile that is, we can see the string as it's trailing behind him. <laughs> It is. It's so. It's such a cartoon. But I do have to say, I like that as well. Right. Uh, I I like how one ninja comes up to Jackson's giant gun and he tries to chop the barrel of it with his sword and it doesn't do anything. It's like it just bounces off of it. And he's like, oh. <laughs> Jackson, 
Jackson murders like all of these ninjas, and at one point there are some ninjas behind him, so he tries to pull the gun and turn it around, but it keeps hitting a wall, so he just takes a gun out of his pocket and shoots them with that instead. <laughs> and of course, so eventually it gets to the point where uh, both, I believe both of the guns break down. They, they both jam at the same time. Yeah. Um, so what comes next is what seems to be the progression of what the way things happen in this movie is there's a big, long drawn out gunfight. And then when they run out of guns or if the guns break, it becomes another sissy slap fight. Yeah, that's exactly right. But before all that happens, there is one giant, uh, ninja who's wearing a goalie mask. So he looks like what's his name? Lord humongous from Mad Max two. Yeah. Um, and he comes out, he's like, he's like jacked to the gills and he picks up a brick and he's going to throw it at Jackson and he throws it and it doesn't even come close to it. Like it's just, it's not even close. So Jackson just shoots him with the gun before it jams. Um, so you're right. Yeah. So it turns into a sissy slap fight. <laughs> they roll around on the ground like goobers. <laughs> I like the ninja's eventually... response to this though. Cause like all the ninjas who are left, are just kind of like looking on in bewilderment. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I like at one point Atlas goes, use your Eastern martial arts on him. (laughs) (laughs) So Atlas runs off, Jackson chases him, and eventually we have uh, Atlas, Jackson, Ralph shows up as well, uh, and then Zork shows up with Janet as well. So we have all of our main characters here. Uh, Jackson tells Zork to let her go, and then he uh, reveals a big reveal, Mo, that Janet is actually the mother of his daughter, Jackson's daughter. Ralph is upset because he thought that she loved him, but she says, I should have told you I really love Jackson. And Jackson says that they can give their relationship another shot. But there's one other character we haven't thought of, Mo. It's Herbert Ost. He Mm -hmm. comes out of, he crawls out from under something (laughs) with two guns. He says he's the real victim. And he's actually right. He's the one who got tortured in Vietnam. Uh, He says that he hates them all. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I don't know why he developed all those weapons for, for them. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and Jackson says, you know what? We all have grievances. It's time for everybody to speak their mind. So, so each character then explains what they want out of the situation. Zork says, I just want to be mayor. I don't really care about this woman at all. So he doesn't really care about Janet. Atlas says that he wants to be a city manager and he wants to kill Jackson. Ralph, he just wants his disco back and to get home safe. But Ost, he wants to kill all of them. That's what he wants more than anything else. He says they tortured him in Vietnam and judged him because of his looks. And now they're exploiting his genius. And he's absolutely right on all fronts. Yep, so they do the logical thing. They all kill him. (laughs) They all point their guns and shoot him and murder him. But I do have to say, what I think is the funniest moment in the movie happens here, which is that... Jackson, Janet's been let go. (laughs) Right, right. By Zork. And Jackson's like, run over there. Like, run run to safety. And she runs over beside him and, like, runs off to the distance. And he's like, no, no, not there. No, like, behind that. He's got to give her, like, really specific instructions (laughs) because she's not going where he wants. It's so funny. And he just goes, women. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's sexist, but it's pretty funny. It's funny. So Ost is dead. Now we have our four men left and they're just pointing guns at each other. At one point, uh, it just starts to be like crazy edits where they're all firing at once and the screen flashes and blood goes everywhere. We see people fall down and then an ambulance arrives and it cuts to the very first scene again. Well, basically, it's uh, one hour later. 
the uh, the doctor has arrived and the nurses who we saw at the very beginning of the movie, they tell him that they didn't think it was a good idea putting all these guys in the same room. He goes, well, thinking is not what I pay you for. They open the door. All four of the men are covered in bandages like they're basically mummies and they're wearing diapers and they're all having like slap fights with each other. I love the fact that Atlas still has like the war paint that he's had. <laughs> like, like we never really, we never really explained that. Like Atlas has like about halfway through the movie, Atlas ends up with this like war paint on his face and just like for the rest of the movie, it's there. And so when they get back to him with the bandages on, he now has the war paint over top of his face bandages. <laughs> it's pretty genius. It's pretty good. So the doctor tells them to stop hitting each other. Right. Janet arrives with Jackson's daughter. And alerts all of them that America has declared war on Liechtenstein and the governor wants to recruit all of them. So they stop fighting and they all start celebrating the fact that they can all go back to war. And those characters from that TV show near the beginning, the part that, that brought the movie to a fucking halt, right. they arrive and say, say that the characters were right all along, that violence is the way to go, and that also they've gotten married. The dude, by the way, from that show, he's wearing an iron cross around his neck uh, on a necklace for some reason. <laughs> Uh, so they brought an American flag, uh, and um, they invite those characters in for a drink, and the mayor arrives as well. Remember, his head got blown off? Well, he's back, and he just has, like, a bandage wrapped around his head. Yep. <laughs> and then they all start drinking champagne out of bedpans that the nurse passes out to each one of them. And, and one of them goes, hey, where's Liechtenstein? And one of the other guys goes, in Europe, imagine sunshine and war. And then they start chanting, Mo. They chant a very familiar word. Let's hear it. They chant USA because they learn they're going back to war. And then it goes right into the closing credits, Mo. With the Operation Dance Sensation song playing. What, Mo, is notable about the closing credits? Uh, that they mark the end of this movie. <laughs> They're in German. They're in German. <laughs> I, that, I I don't know. I, I think I enjoyed this movie a lot more than you, Mo. Well, I mean, I, I, look, I'm not going to lie. I mean, if I was just watching it, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. But having to take fucking notes on it made it very tedious. annoying. Yeah, tedious. Like, the fact that there was so much shit that didn't need to be in the movie, and now here I am having to make fucking notes about it. But, um, yeah. No, I mean, I I mean, I enjoyed it well enough. It, I watched it in two sittings, uh, and I think that probably helped a lot. Mm. Uh, because, it, you know, it meant I could really kind of take it in a little bit more. There's a lot of really great, funny material in here. Uh, a lot of the action in it is so much fun. If this was just like a straight action satire without a lot of the kind of plot elements, I think it would be a lot more entertaining uh, and it would move a lot faster. There's just so much you could cut out of this and not lose anything. And maybe, and I just want to say, it's possible that the things that we're complaining about, it is humor that would be more... Uh, easier understood by people from Germany who are watching this, but to, to uh, uh, an outside viewer, it just seems like filler and unnecessary when you have a movie that's already this long. So what you're saying is that we relate more to um, the Ugandans than we do <laughs> to the Germans. Movie, 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 movie! <laughs> Commando. Movie, movie. 
But I, I want to, you know, I, I just want to make it really clear that uh, Tilo uh, Gotha Yuhun, <laughs> the director of this movie, he's obviously very talented. He, he wrote, sure, sure, directed, yeah. and starred in this. There's so much great stuff. There's lots of interesting effects, lots of really funny ideas in it. This is obviously made on a super low budget. I am super curious to see what else he's made. He's he's made he's worked with. Um, Jörg Bucherite, the the director of Necromantic, um, after this. So uh, so there's obviously people who recognize that this is a very talented gentleman, and apparently he works as a cameraman on a very popular TV show as well. You know, th- these, this is a uh, a really fun movie that has the same limitations that we see in a lot of ultra-low-budget movies, right. which is that it's too in love with itself. Yeah. It's fucking weird, though. <laughs> Operation Dance Sensation. Mo, well, who are your favorite three German people? What? Who are your three favorite German people? I don't. I don't know. Come on, Mo. I don't even think I know three German people. What about uh, Heidi Klum? She wouldn't be on my list. I have no connection about, to her. What about Henry Kissinger? Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> How about Boris Becker? What? Uh, dude, I'm too, I'm too tired and it's been too long of a day for this. How about Udo Kier? There we go. I do love There Udo you go. Kier. Your favorite German man. Uh, that was Operation Dance Sensation uh, from 2003. I, I had a good time with it. I actually think our audience will probably enjoy it quite a bit, especially because it's a movie that I hadn't heard of before. It doesn't have a lot of profile here in right, right. North America. Uh, and I think it is one that's worth going out of your time to check out. Uh, and I think that, you know, a follow-up to this, the same people making it with a little bit more restraint, with a little bit more polish, they can make something really special. And maybe they already have, and I want to seek that out and check it out myself. And I do want to give a, a, a massive thanks to Lars, who... Uh, requested this, whatever reservations yeah. we have about this movie, I'm really glad that we watched it. No, for real. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But it's done, Mo. And now we never have to watch it again. Woohoo! But we will, Mo, have to watch another movie on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Hey, Mo, what's that movie going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just vamp for a moment while I scroll up in my. Uh... <laughs> I have the IMDb page like we right are... here in front of me. We are going to be watching 1987's Beyond the Seventh Door. The Canuxploitation classic Beyond the Seventh Door from the year 1987 starring Lazar Rockwood. Uh, This is a movie that's been recommended to me several times. I have yet to watch it. I know that there is a special edition DVD out there in the world. Uh, People talk about how much fun it is. We're going to watch it uh, and then we're going to get back to another Patreon Episode since Mo has already referred to it, uh, but on the next Whoops. episode, of, on the next episode <laughs> of No Budget Nightmares, we are watching 1987's Beyond the Seventh Door. Indeed, Mo. Where can people find out more about No Budget Nightmares? Well, I mean, they can go right onto the old Facebook and do a search of No Budget Nightmares, and uh, or just go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like that. I'm going crazy. I'm going. You'll nuts. see, Mo. You go. Oh, you. You go on the internet, you see. (laughs) Let's not. Um, You can go right to facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares. All one word. You'll find us. Join the conversation. Join in the fun. It's all, all a real good time over there. 
You can also, of course, go to uh, Twitter at uh, No Budget Podcast or go to NoBudgetPodcast.com. Check out all of our older episodes. You can subscribe via iTunes uh, and Stitcher. And, you know, I guess we should probably put our podcast on Spotify since everyone's doing that now. You can also find our latest episode over at the newly retitled ThatShelf.com, not DorkShelf.com, though if you go to DorkShelf.com, it'll still go to the right website, so you can do that as well. You can both, uh, you can both, you can find both Mo and myself. <laughs> no, you're on- right. For there are two listeners you can both <laughs> you can both follow mo and i on twitter as well mo is there at drunk on vhs and i'm there at doug underscore tilly that's t-i-l-l-e-y and mo you have another podcast where can people find that uh yeah it's it's been on a bit of a hiatus lately because uh so is this one mo <laughs> yeah but this one more so because um and this see here the the hiatus for this one's ending for uh for alt nerd obsessive uh my other show that one's gonna keep going on for a little while longer because the guy who puts it onto the website for us is now on his honeymoon so we kind of have to like wait for him to get back before we can do any new episodes and i and i didn't get a chance to um edit and uh and, and get that other episode to him before all this happened um the communists so, have it right mo you gotta yeah. seize the means of production sure but um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you can, you can find that over, uh, all the previous episodes over at, uh, aftermoviediner.com. Just do a search on there for alternate obsessive and uh, you can find that there. Also, we have a YouTube page, uh, do a search for alternate obsessive podcast. Um, alternate obsessive is all one word and then podcast is a separate word. And uh, you can come and watch us play uh, a million fucking videos of Dead by Daylight and like three of Friday the 13th. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, th- those are fun, though. I, 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 you know, there's a lot of really a, a buddy of mine was telling me that he was watching some of uh, some of our gameplay videos. And he said they're they're a lot of fun. So. Cool. I mean, what better audience can you have than one of your friends who says that your videos are fun? Look, it, this wasn't. <laughs> in fairness, you're right. I mean, but but Put everybody, that on the poster, Mo. <laughs> everybody, go, everybody, go there. Subscribe. Check us out. We've got a ton. I mean, seriously, a fucking shit ton of videos uh, over on the YouTube page. And you can find my other podcast, Eric Roberts is the fucking man, over at Eric Roberts is the man. Dot com or on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Recently watched a movie called Paranormal Movie, a spoof of the Paranormal Activity movies oh, that is God. unwatchable garbage. You I will not s- believe how fucking horrible it is. Kevin oh, I, th- I have a really good idea of how horrible that could be. It stars Kevin Farley and was directed by Kevin Farley, the, the brother of the late Chris Farley. It mm. is awful, but you can check that out on our latest episode over at EricRobertsTheMan.com. Well, have you seen any interesting movies lately? Actually, yeah, I've been uh, keeping track of because uh, I'm doing. I'm trying to do the one for one uh, for October, like a horror, <laughs> a horror movie a day. I was thinking of doing that. Mo Operation Dance Sensation is the first movie I watched in October. Oh, that wow! Um, yeah, no, the, Operation Dance Sensation is officially the. I need to scroll on my Facebook page so I can see the numbers here. Um, God damn it! I post way too much on Facebook. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's the 10th movie I've watched so far. The, I, I'm not counting that as part of my horror-tober 
you know, collection. But uh, I watched uh, recently, I watched The Collector, uh, which is. I remember watching it back in the theaters in the ni- in in the nineties, <laughs> in <laughs> two thousand nine when it came out, and uh, really enjoying it. Um, yeah, still still a lot of fun. There's a sequel uh, to that as well, isn't there? Yeah, the collection, and I haven't watched that yet. Uh, I probably won't, to be honest. I'm terrified to see how much they fucked it up. Uh, I watched uh, Creep Two, and All honestly, right. like a. Like a lot of people were telling me how much they liked it, and I just thought it was kind of mediocre, to be honest. Huh. Um, but you know, I mean, if you've ever been interested in seeing Mark Duplass's dick, then it's there. Am I? You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. I, I, it's not bad. It's just I found the first one more, like, legitimately scary. Whereas sure. I felt like I felt like this one was more like leading up to the obvious conclusion. And then they try to subvert that expectation and it just turns into you knowing exactly what's going to happen the second it happens. I don't know. There's there's like one too many false endings. Anyway. Mo, I saw a movie called Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. I have watched Mandy as well. That fucking movie is amazing. Yeah, that movie's bonkers. And I do have to say, I know a lot of, I know there's some people who have mixed feelings about this movie. A lot of people didn't like it. A lot of yeah. people loved it. But this is a movie that you, if you have the opportunity, you should see in the theater because it's, it's the, it, visually, it's meant to overwhelm you, and it's where it's most impactful, I think. And uh, I was very surprised to see that it played here, so I was like, I gotta see it, and it was, it's quite an experience. Yeah, the closest theater to me that was playing it was 57 miles away, and as much as I love the idea of seeing this on a big screen, I'm not driving 57 uh, miles to watch jog it. Jog it, Mo. Yeah, jock it. <laughs> you know, well, no, me me and a coworker, you know, had thought about the possibility of, of driving out there to go see it. But honestly, like, I, I just ended up, you know, finding it, um, it was VOD, I believe, or whatever it was. Sure. Um, and we ended up watching it uh, on, you know, just regular ass TV. But it was still good. I still really enjoyed it. And uh, I got a huge kick out of Cheddar Goblin. And, yeah. Um, you know, and all the fucking completely batshit crazy things. So I made a, I made a bit of a, uh, 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 of a mistake for my October movie selections. Okay. There were two series. Well, one of them's not so much a mistake, but the other one absolutely has become a, a mistake. Uh, there are two series I decided I was going to watch through because I haven't watched all of them in a really long time. And that sure. was the, uh, the, the Chucky movies, um, right. Of which I have watched the first, the the initial trilogy, and haven't got gotten into the bonkers, batshit, crazy later ones yet. Sure. Um, but I also decided to watch all the Saw movies. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like, oh god, like I've already watched one, two, and three, and like I, I just know they're just gonna they're getting get so much worse. <laughs> I I'm a, I'm probably in the minority here, but I really like that run of two, three, and four of the Saw movies. I don't like the first right. one very much, but I kind of like those the ones afterwards. And I was for a long time really hesitant to watch them, but I you know it, they're they're fun. They really are this generation's or that generation's version of something like a Friday the Thirteenth movie, right? Where it's yeah, it's, you know they they have a certain loose internal continuity that they're trying to play around with, but it's really all about the set pieces. And some of them, 
there's one of them, I can't remember which movie it's from, where the guy is basically um, hooked up to like clockwork uh, pieces that are turning each limb and his head at the same oh, time. Yeah. That yeah, one, yeah. man, and you can like hear his bones breaking. That was that one's too much for me. Like that is the one that I remember out of all the kills in the whole series. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely remember that one. That was nuts. No, I'm with you on that one. I, I like I said, I'm only up to I'm only up to three at this point. So like I liked two, I liked three. I didn't care for one quite so much. And I feel like I've seen four and five in the past. Um, somebody told me that six is really good. And then beyond that, I'm just sort of terrified for, <laughs> but, uh, but I'll, 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 I mean, I'm going to watch the whole series. We'll see how it goes. Uh, somebody got me somewhat more excited to watch like the bride curse seed cult sure. of Chucky movies because they explained it to me that it's sort of like when Leprechaun goes to the hood. Right. And stops giving a shit about its, you know, like its seriousness. Have, have you never seen those movies before? I've never seen any of them because oh, nothing, okay. because they've never appealed to me. But I figured, like, I watched the first Child's Play movie and then I moved on to the second one. And I'm like, well, you know what? I might as well just run this whole fucking series if I'm going to watch them. Bride you is know? really good. I mean, I I, yeah. actually, I really I haven't seen the last couple, but um, when the series took the turn. To being not serious and being a little meta, and then John right. Waters shows up in one of the sequels as well. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, hey, you, this is the time of the year to explore the different kinds of horror that's out there. It's, and you know, listeners, it's why don't you I go do. over to our Facebook page and tell us what you've been watching lately, so uh, other people can say, "I don't like that movie." Because <laughs> what else is Facebook good for? <laughs> But be that as it may, you should do that. Everyone should be watching horror movies. I'm going to try to catch up now that I have a little bit, hopefully, more free time uh, coming up. Just been very busy so far. But on the next episode, Mo, of No Budget Nightmares, we're going to watch 1987's Beyond the Seventh Door. And I know you're very excited about that. I am, actually. It was filmed in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a place that I'm very familiar with. Well, now I'm no longer excited about it. (laughs) But we will check that out. Very soon, Mo, but it's getting late and we need yes. to go to bed. Both of us need to climb into bed together and snuggle up, <laughs> spoon each other. I'll be the little spoon for you, Mo. Dude, you are so much bigger than me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the most awkward spooning situation ever. Spoon me, Mo. Uh, Mo's going to spoon me. We're going to relax and we're going to be back very soon with Beyond the Seventh Door. I think it's time to say good night, everybody. Uh, good night, everybody. Operation, 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 dance sensation. Operation, 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 dance sensation. Operation.